Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our interactive daily broadcast where trusted leaders bring insights and analysis to the issues from a biblical perspective. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get biblical answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host, Richard Harris. Hello, everybody. This is Richard Harris, and I want to welcome you to the Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. Um, we are really excited about today's broadcast, and um, uh, we have as our very special guest today, Erin Lee. And Erin uh, has a compelling story that she's going to share on today's show, and uh, really just honored and excited to have Erin with us. Erin is basically... Um, well, she's a proud Army wife, a full-time HR manager, and a speaker. Most importantly for today, though, you need to understand that Aaron is the founder of uh, an organization and a website called StopGenderIdeology.com. And Aaron, I'm just really glad to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me. Well, so Aaron, um, stop gender ideology. Um, now, uh, obviously, I know a little bit about your story. And um, basically, your daughter uh, was a student at Wellington Middle School in the Pooter Thompson School District in northern Colorado. And she had an experience with gender ideology one day when she innocently and unknowingly went to art club. Is that is that about right? Yeah, just the Pooter School District. Thompson is our, our neighboring district. But yes, she uh, was invited by her trusted art and homeroom teacher to stay after school for art club. And that's not at all what it was. What happened? So it was a regular Tuesday. She was in her homeroom class. She was sitting alone on the bleachers. And her art teacher, mm -hmm. who's her homeroom teacher, approached her and asked her to stay after school for art club. When she got there, it was actually Gender and Sexuality Awareness Club, or GSA, what was formerly known as the Gay Straight Alliance. And her art teacher had invited in an outside presenter who was an activist in our community. And this woman did unthinkable things. She pulled out flags to describe umbrella terms or defining words, is what she called them, including telling the kids, uh, being transgender is when you're not completely comfortable in your biological sex. And queer is a term that you can use while you're still figuring out your sexuality. So if you don't know who you're attracted to, you're queer. And when the kids identified with these labels, she handed out those flags, plus stickers and bracelets and other toys. She talked to the kids about polyamory, which and as a you know late 30-something woman, I didn't even know what that meant. I had to Google it. Um, she talked to the kids extensively about suicide, telling them that these labels they had just adopted, some of them make them more likely to kill themselves. She wow. talked about who they're attracted to. Um, she asked them to connect with her privately on Discord and WhatsApp, where she knows parents are not monitoring the conversation. These are teen chat platforms with quick hide features. She gave out a cell phone number that kids can contact without their parents' knowledge. And she told the kids families might not be safe and it's okay to lie to them about this meeting and about your identity. In fact, as my daughter left the room that day, her art teacher pulled her aside and said, remember, you don't have to tell your parents about this. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
Aaron, there was a lot in that answer, um, a huge amount. First, let, let me ask you this. How old was your daughter when all of this happened? So she had just turned 12, and we had just moved to Wellington, which is a little suburb outside of Fort Collins, Colorado. We were new to town. She was new to this school, and it was the height of COVID protocol. So our district had had kids mostly remote learning for most of the year. When they were in person, they were six feet apart, only two days a week, and they were masked. They didn't even have a regular lunch hour for my daughter to make any kind of connection. So she had gone through the school year without making a single friendship. She had never talked to another student her age outside of regular classroom activities. And she was very visibly vulnerable and isolated. And I firmly believe that's why she was poached by this teacher and lured into this meeting. Your daughter was 12 years old. During COVID, she was in, told about an art club and she went with, I guess you, you thought it was art club too. And she went to the art club and it turns out it wasn't art club at all. It was an right. LGBT, uh, at best, indoctrination session, possibly you could, do you think it'd be fair to call it a recruiting session? An indoctrination session is perfect. That's exactly what it was. There's a lot of misinformation presented. And, you know, she went because she was longing for connection. And we were excited about her attending art club and making connection with people, doing something she enjoyed. She's an artistic, you know, introverted kid. And of course, we wanted her to make connection, um, but it absolutely was. It was an indoctrination session, and they had invited in this outside person completely unvetted. And this woman runs an organization called Skittles for kids 5 to 11 to discuss gender and sexuality and Splash for kids 12 and older. She's a predator. Did you, did you say five years old and up? Five. Five years old. Five years this old. Woman actually this organization, five. so just so our viewers understand, this organization, Skittles, goes after children only five years old and up to teach them about gender ideology and homosexuality? Absolutely. They talk with sexperts. They have their own sex ed program with sexperts. Um, she sent out an invite for kids 12 and older to hop online and talk about polyamory. So it's, it's all kinds of topics under the LGBTQ umbrella. Wow. Well, um, okay. My my head is is spinning here. This is just almost unfathomable to me that people would do this. Uh, but we're gonna. Uh, I want to remind our viewers right now that this is, of course, our our live call in show. And so, uh, be sure to call in to our number today if you have questions for Aaron or for me. Uh, that number is seven one nine two three nine. Excuse me, six one nine two three four one. It's in your in your screen here. Uh, in case you guys are wondering today on the Truth and Liberty show, we are in a different studio because uh, our current studio is undergoing some construction and renovations. We're really excited about the new set when we get it, but right now things look a little bit different. I am here at uh, our headquarters in Woodland Park, Colorado, uh, here at Andrew Womack Ministries. Uh, Truth and Liberty, guys, is a separate organization, but we work really close with Andrew and his ministry, so we're just really proud of that and delighted to be a part. But uh, our guest today is Aaron Lee, and as I mentioned, Aaron is the mother of a child who was intentionally recruited and indoctrinated by LGBT activists in a middle school in northern Colorado. And we've just been talking about what happened to her daughter. And basically, Erin, uh, at this point, you're saying she was invited to an art club. It wasn't an art club. So they lied to her and to you. She was told that 
uh, if she wasn't 100% comfortable in her own body, then she was transgender. Did I get that right? Yep. They told her that being transgender is when you're not completely comfortable in your biological sex. Okay. So um, uh, I'm sorry, what a 12-year-old prepubescent, either male or female, is ever 100% comfortable in their sexual identity? What 36-year-old woman is comfortable in her, 100% comfortable in her body? It's very rare for any human to be fully comfortable at all times. And so that's the definition now, transgender, uh huh? that that you're not 100% comfortable in your uh, own skin, I guess. Well, uh, 95% of the world must be trans, I guess, right? Kind of crazy. So your daughter was also queer. (laughs) They actually defined the word queer as people who like the word queer. I'm sorry, people who like the word queer are queer? Yep, yep. Okay. That was their definition. All right, and okay, and then they told them that parents and family may not be safe, so you don't have to tell your parents about this meeting. Right. And and then uh, reminded of that fact, and then they gave them all sorts of paraphernalia rewarding them for being trans and now queer. Am I understanding that part right? Right. I like to call it swag. And really what it amounts to is glitter bombing or rainbow bombing. These are young kids longing for connection. And when they proclaim these labels, they're celebrated and they're given toys and they're saying, you know, we'll support you. We'll be your family. We're all in this together. We're all on some kind of an LGBTQ spectrum. And they're just overwhelmed with this, you know, false love, really. Um, and, and what kid isn't going to be caught up in that? A little girl who's got no connection suddenly has all these people who she thinks are just like her and who want to mm-hmm. support her. And she's being bombed with you know propaganda by these adults and thinking that you know they're so wonderful, they love me, they're looking after me. And it's it's just really scary to think that that's how they're approaching kids as young as five. So, and then the the I, maybe the part that alarmed me the most is that these adults gave your child their cell phone number and encouraged her to contact them without your knowledge or consent anytime they wanted to. Is that right? Correct. Yep. Not just by cell phone, but online as well, which to me is even scarier. It's a lot easier to track what a child is doing on a phone versus within a video game chat platform, which is what Discord is. Wow. My goodness. Um, So uh, I suspect that you, uh, how did you learn about this, that this had happened? Yeah, we're lucky that our daughter came home. We had a relationship with her that we were very open and honest. We had great communication. You know, we, we still have a great relationship with our daughter. It was strained for some time because of this. But, um, you know, we've definitely rebounded on that. But she felt comfortable coming home and telling us. So when she got home, she came to me, she handed me that transgender flag and ran away. And she was kind of, you know, silly about it, which is a reflection of how she had just been rainbow and glitter bombed with all this propaganda and information. And I approached her and said, does this flag represent you? And she said, yes, I found out today that I'm transgender. And we were so caught off guard and ill-prepared. And that was by design. We actually were told the next day by the principal that this is a confidential meeting that the public school has an obligation to provide a safe space for students. So they were providing a space away from parents to talk about gender and sexuality. They felt that was their obligation as a public school. So we're lucky she told us. We actually have talked to a handful of families who didn't know 
that their daughters were attending this meeting, all 11, 12, 13-year-old little girls. And in fact, one of them, when we went public a whole year later with our story, this family came forward and said, we had no idea. And as it turns out, their daughter's depression had turned to, or confusion had turned to depression to the point of a suicide attempt. And they wow. were blaming themselves. They didn't understand where this was coming from. Why is she so confused all of a sudden about her gender and her sexuality? And she tried all the labels. She was bisexual, and then she was pansexual, and then she was transgender. And no, of course, nothing fit. And eventually, she drank bleach and attempted to take her own life because she was in such a dark, lonely place because she followed the rules. In these meetings, the kids are told what you hear and hear, keep it here. And you don't have to tell your parents. And she went along with that because it's going to be a hard conversation to have with your parents. Of course, the kid will be reluctant to go home and have that conversation. And so as a result, this family almost lost their little daughter from that secrecy. Wow. So yeah. uh, um, so you went to the principal and the principal said, you don't have a right to know what we just indoctrinated your daughter with. Uh, and we're doing it because we want to keep your daughter safe, right? A safe environment. <laughs> safe from what, may I ask? Did you wonder what safe from what? Well, the implication is safe from parents. There's this presumption that all parents are evil until proven innocent, and they treated us that way. These people had never spoken to us before inviting our daughter into this space and deciding that we shouldn't know what was happening behind closed doors. So there's this presumption that all parents are evil until proven innocent, and the public school is a refuge from all these abusive, unaffirming parents. And the mm -hmm. truth is, at that point in our life, we, we weren't as conservative as we were now, and we were not as strong in our Christian faith as we are now. And, and I could have very easily had my arm twisted into going along with it. I'm lucky that my husband and I together as a team realized this is not right for our daughter. This isn't real. Mm. This is hurting her more than it's helping her to identify this way. So their, well, their wanna... assumption about us couldn't have been more wrong, really. So what, what did you do after that conversation? With the principal. And I'll admit that night, the night she came home, we, we kept our reaction private because we didn't want to attach any shame to what we, she was going through. We didn't want her to think, oh, my parents are mad or my parents are sad, or we just wanted to figure out how to deal with it ourselves before we addressed it with her. Um, and so we, we cried all night. I mean, our little girl ordered mac and cheese from the kids menu that night and went to sleep with her teddy bear. And we cried all night. And the next day I woke up and I looked at my husband and I said, I'm going scorched earth. I'm going to burn it all down. And he said, yeah, I'm going to get the gasoline. And so we started making calls, trying to get answers. He called the principal. I stood before the school board. I got a lawyer to help me write a letter to all of them. And they ignored me for over two months of repeated pleas and follow-ups. Um, and I didn't even know what a school board did at that point. I just knew they were the authority. They must have some answers about this. Maybe this is an isolated incident and I'm misunderstanding it. Maybe you know she's not giving me accurate information, although I very much trust my daughter. And so they ignored us. And when I finally got a sit down with the school board member, her name is Kristen Draper. It turns out she's close friends with that woman who was invited into the classroom from Splash and Skittles. And not just that, she volunteers with the Skittles organization that talks about gender and sex with five to 11 year olds. And she seemed to condone everything that had happened. It's like she was proud of it. She agreed I should have been notified and I should have had resources available, um, but she condoned everything that happened, including the statistic that nearly half of kids in Larimer County, Colorado are LGBT. She supported that. 
So it just wow. became clear really early on. This was intentional. I don't think we were supposed to find out about it or push back. And they didn't know how to handle all the questions that we were throwing at them. So they deflected and they gaslit. They just made false promises and showed fake empathy and really successfully kept at us at bay for a solid six to nine months um, because they were appeasing us with falsehoods that, that weren't really happening wow. behind closed doors. Wow. Okay. So, so um, I think I had heard or read somewhere that after talking to the school, you, you went to the police. Uh, did that happen? And how did they respond? You know, I, I was watching a Candace Owens podcast. If you don't follow her, I highly recommend her. And she said, you know, if this kind of thing happened on a playground, you would call the police. That would be your first call. Why are we as parents allowing this to happen in the classroom and we stay silent? And mm -hmm. I thought, you're right. I'm calling the police. This was sexual, mental, emotional abuse of my little child. And just because it happened in a classroom doesn't make it okay. And we were told that because she was invited in and because there was no physical touch or exposure of body parts that I know of, there are no legal ramifications for her from a criminal standpoint. Wow. Or from and, the and so the police, the police didn't do anything. Um, so let's yeah. talk about this woman who was the guest that you didn't even know was going to be there. And she works for Skittles. Uh, okay, so I, my understanding is that her name was Chambers, and that this organization, um, they, like you said, they, it's all devoted to reaching youth, people under the age of 18 from five years old and up and teaching them about things like polyamory. Now, just to be clear, this is a G-rated broadcast, but polyamory means that you have intimate relations with more than one person at one time. And so it, and it, 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 it can mean having multiple sexual relationships going on at one time, and that's totally valid, according to these people. Uh, and, and they also talk about um, homosexuality and question, teaching children how to transition into sexuality. In other words, their website says on one of their flyers, relationship to sexuality. So I have to assume that they're teaching kids how do they go from having from being not sexually active to being sexually active. A am I misunderstanding this at all? You're underplaying it, if anything. I mean, they're they're just really brazen about their efforts, you know, everything can be found on their website. They're just mm -hmm. incredibly open and proud of what they're doing. So no, completely accurate. Well, this lady Chambers, uh, turns out she's actually employed by the school district. Was that, is that right? She was a substitute teacher at the time. Yep. With an active email address and unfettered access to children. And she's also still an employee of the Larimer County Health Department with access to children's information. And she also, I found through FOIA records, sits on, a, there's a comprehensive sex ed alliance in our town. And she sits on that along with our school board members, our school administration, other people from the health department. So there's this underground concerted effort to shape the sexual curriculum for younger and younger kids in our community. And she's very involved in it. Wow. And and uh, this lady, um, one of the things you mentioned was uh, they they have what what would you call it a a webcast or webinar with sexperts for these youth youth uh, I guess that means experts on how to have sex, um, and uh, so now I want to touch on something else before what's that. 
It's said online. Okay. They hold these meetings online. online so kids can come and go without parent knowledge. Come and go without parent knowledge. So, folks, this is going on in um, uh, the Pooter School District in Colorado, Fort Collins, Colorado. Now, Fort Collins is, um, it's not a small town, but it's not Denver. It's not a major metropolitan area. Um, this is basically small town America. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Well, and I live in the suburb. So I live in about a town of about 10,000 people. It's a small conservative horse town. We have more churches than we have any other business. And it's, we thought we were moving our family to a safe conservative place with like-minded people. So we truly are an example of if it can happen to us here, it can happen to anyone anywhere. So um, Aaron, after, uh, by the way, before we ask you more questions, let me just say to our viewers, guys, this is live call in. Now I know this subject, you might be sitting back going, Oh my goodness, how do I ask any questions about this? And I understand if it's intimidating, but please feel free to call in with your questions. Perhaps you know of similar cases or you don't understand how this could happen, or maybe you're wondering, you know, what can I do to help or any of those things? We're, we want to hear you from you today. Plus, any questions at all on any Bible or spiritual questions, I'd love to have you call in and share those today. So the number's on your screen. Um, and we've got about seven minutes now before our first break, Aaron. And I want to ask you this. You somehow uh, you found or got a hold of some emails that were exchanged by school officials and this chambers lady. Can you tell us what you found out in those emails? Yeah, so I'm lucky to have found a very supportive group of parents here locally very early. On. And they taught me what a public record request. I didn't I didn't know what a public record request was. I now understand that any government entity in any state in this entire country is beholden to its citizens. So anything they do, email, calendar, text messages, it's all finances, grant money, it's all public record. And so I just started to dig in a little bit about our situation and ask for emails between this presenter and, and the art teacher. And what I found is that immediately after the incident, they colluded with the school board to keep me quiet. They referred to parents who find out about these secret sexuality meetings in middle schools as barriers that have been removed at other schools. They discuss their right to lie to parents under the Equal Access Act, which is not relevant at all. Nowhere in that law does it state you can keep things secret from parents. And they discussed calling CPS to my home for a well child check because we removed our daughter from that school, from their harm. So while we were in our most vulnerable moment as a family that they had caused two days after this incident, they threatened our family with a CPS well child check to potentially remove our children from our home. And I do believe that in the state of Colorado, if they had shown up at our door and I had let them in, if my daughter had said my mom is not affirming my transgender identity, they would have removed her from our home. So I, I think we came really close to that happening and praise God that, that it didn't get that far with us. But we live in fear of the CPS visit now. I mean, that would be traumatizing to my entire family. And this woman who was in the classroom continues to harass and, and bully me. Um, publicly several times a day, and, and the CPS threats continue. Wow. So the the school officials threatened to call Child Protective Services on you for uh, wanting to remove your child from that school? Yep. Wow. Because she had been absent for two days, and they knew why she was absent. We had very at-length conversations about it, and the principal agreed that she didn't have to come back to finish the year, um, but they still made that threat behind closed doors. Aaron, so this is almost too much to believe, but um, but it is true. And 
Uh, I want to talk some um, after our break. I want to talk about your daughter and how she has gone through this process and how you guys have, as a family have transitioned or not transitioned. Well, I hate that word, but it has been Take a transition for you in a good way, right? <laughs> transition yeah. to knowledge and understanding and activism. But um, but before we get there, um, let, let me just ask you this. Did anybody at the school district face any disciplinary action at all? No, from what I can glean, if anything, they've been promoted and praised. So the teacher involved, I've still never spoken to her. Um, we So that school transitioned into from a middle school to a middle high school. And she seems to have assumed more responsibility. In fact, the other family, the little girl who drank bleach, who is on our lawsuit as well, they put their daughter back in the school after her suicide attempt at her request. And the daughter was scheduled for two classes with that art teacher. And when they went to the principal and said, you cannot allow this woman near our child, he said, I can't control who the teachers talk to. She can say hi to whoever she wants in these hallways. So even after they knew the harm that was caused by this woman, they continue to give her access to the kids who had knowingly been harmed. And she seems to have been um, promoted. And then this woman from the outside organization, same thing. There's a lot of support behind her in this incredibly woke community of Fort Collins that we live in now. And, um, you know, she's been kind of put on a pedestal for what she's done. This is unbelievable. So, um, Aaron, uh, what do you think? Um, well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Uh, do you? And we've only got about two minutes left before the break, but you alluded earlier to like um, uh, that if someone did this on a playground, a stranger would be criminal activity. Do you see any parallels between what the school is doing in these cases and sort of like uh, predatory behavior by pedophiles? Can you uh, draw any similarities there? I mean, if you watch the old show To Catch a Predator, it's the, what the schools are doing with our children is a textbook play-by-play -play of what those predators do. It's breaking down the kids' inhibition. It's talking about things that are clearly inappropriate for their age range. It's telling them parents may not be safe. You can trust me, but don't trust them. Here's a private way to communicate with me. We can meet up in person outside of this meeting. And so it, it really is textbook predacious behavior. And outside of the classroom, in any other situation, it would be criminal. So it just, it's really hard for us as parents to reconcile that they all continue to get away with it, that they are continuing to do this to other children and families. In fact, in our school district, there's a policy that you cannot opt your children out of clubs in the district. So even if you find out about these secret GSA meetings that often meet at lunch hour, you can't opt your children out of it. So it's they're they're forcing these kind of predators on our kids, and we have no say so and no ability to prevent it from happening. It it truly, when our daughter came home that day, I have never felt more violated in my entire life. I've had my car broken into. I've had my home broken into actually since this happened. I get a lot of death threats and um, aggressive behavior towards my family, and I still have never felt more violated than I did in that moment. They stripped us of the ability to protect our child from this kind of behavior. It, it really is every parent's worst nightmare to have this happen to your little girl. Um, I'm almost speechless here and that, that doesn't happen very often, Aaron. I, you know, I think all of us were raised, uh, many of us were told by our parents, hey, don't talk to strangers, don't take candy from strangers. And here we have strangers 
giving all this stuff to your kids, luring them into this destructive, horrible mentality, and there are no consequences. It's almost no. too much to imagine, but it, but it is. And it's happening, and I think you're going to tell us this later, that it's happening not just in Fort Collins, Colorado, but all over America. So, folks, we have about 20 seconds left in this first segment, and I just want to encourage you to call in with your questions. Um, we are going to continue our discussion with Aaron Lee, uh, who I consider to be a hero in this fight, uh, right after this break that's coming up. So we're going to take about 90 seconds now and share some helpful information with you guys about what's going on here at the ministry, and we'll be right back after that. Hey, you know, a big part of what we do here at Truth and Liberty is to provide you with the resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square. So I want to remind everybody to go to our website and check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net slash resources, where you can find material that discusses just about every issue we're facing today in our culture. And these are things that are prepared by our strategic partners and some of the uh, most influential and important organizations in America today. Andrew has many conferences and seminars around the globe each year. For the latest information on Andrew's complete speaking schedule, visit our website at awmi.net slash events. You were created with a purpose, written in the heart of God. Long before you were born, He is calling you to find it. We want to help you experience His unconditional love, to be equipped and empowered to become a world changer. All right, we're back here on the Truth and Liberty Live Call-In Show, and my guest today is Aaron Lee, a mom out of Fort Collins, Colorado, or, or thereabouts. <laughs> and uh, Aaron has been fighting uh, for her daughter, and not just for her daughter, but for all of our kids across this nation against the predatory and pernicious LGBT ideology that has invaded our public schools, an ideology that is targeting our children to indoctrinate them with the false belief that the vast majority of them, like she just said, are trans, are queer, that it's normal, that it's uh, healthy, and that parents furthermore, are the enemies and are dangerous, and that the real people to be trusted are the school officials and the LGBT activists, creating so-called safe spaces and safe zones and trusted adults, quote-unquote, meanwhile poisoning the minds of our children and depriving them of the ability to live whole and fulfilled lives. So this is an extremely serious situation. You have first-hand account here from Aaron Lee. Aaron, I'm glad you're back with us after the break now, and I just want to pick up uh, where we left off. Um, tell me, so you, you commented a little bit on this, uh, Aaron, but this idea of um, a trusted adult, um, that sounds innocuous, doesn't it? But what what's really going on here when they use that phrase? Well, the reality that my children now understand is that parents are your trusted adults that the people who you know, love and care about you the most are trusted adults, but our school systems are positioning themselves as safe adults or trusted adults. In fact, um, George Mama, a retired detective from Jeffco, which is down near where you are in Woodland Park, actually gave a speech to the Jefferson County 
uh, school board in Colorado all about, he's a, a 30 year child sex crime detective. And he gave a speech all about this term trusted adult and how dangerous it is that he spent his whole career protecting kids from adults who position themselves as safe adults. Most abuse that takes place is at the hands of someone who has positioned themselves as a safe or a trusted adult. And so they're breaking down our kids' inhibitions. They're breaking down their sense of self and their identities and their gender and their sexuality and their familial relationships. And they're taking advantage of that trust that they're building and really abusing it in ways like they did with my daughter. Um, it, it's such a loose term now that they've fr thrown around that, you know, if if we listen to you and we affirm everything that you say, we must be a safe adult and you should come to us with all your problems. And it just sets our kids up for the most dangerous, unthinkable kind of grooming by predators. Yeah. And so this uh, the other word they use all the time and we hear this in the news and stuff and the laws even that are being passed in some of these blue states, but affirming that we're supposed to be affirming. It's another um, deceptive use of terminology. Uh, what are these LGBT advocates really saying when they say we should affirm someone who's confused in their gender or affirm someone in their uh, same sex attraction or sexual identity? Yeah, as I understand it, affirmation or affirming your child is going along with whatever they tell you. And as we know, children are still figuring it out. You know, they my eight year old wants to be a pirate when he grows up. Affirming that would be, you know, getting him peg leg surgery and removing his eye and going along with him becoming a pirate because that's what he says he is in this moment. So affirming is going along with whatever your child tells you they're going through. And, you know, in some cases, what they're going through is incredibly legitimate. And, and in the case of gender confusion, their confusion is real, but the reasons behind it need to be investigated. And by affirming, we say, we're not going to investigate that. We're not looking into what's causing it. You're gender confused. You're a boy now. We're going with that. And anything other than 100% instantly agreeing with it is being unaffirming and therefore abusive in a lot of states. The state of California has now is trying to pass a bill to actually put that verbiage into law that if you don't instantly affirm gender confusion, it's child abuse and you can have your child forcibly removed from you. Well, it's crazy. Language. I mean, uh, from five years old and up, we're saying that whatever a child feels in that moment, whenever they get reached by the LGBT activists, well, that must be how that child is going to feel for the rest of their life. Therefore, we as parents have an obligation to lock them into that confusion. I mean, is that what they're saying? Yeah, and with gender confusion, it's not just a mindset. It's not just, oh, you feel this way? We'll call you by the pronouns and we'll call you by the name. It's, we'll get you puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones and surgeries to remove perfectly healthy body parts to affirm your transgender identity. So it's... It's not just going along with it in theory, it's medicalizing these kids. And, and I didn't even mention, but in art club, my daughter has expressed multiple times that this activist described puberty blockers to them. She told them about Colorado law that allows 12 year olds to pursue mental health care without parent knowledge or consent. That includes prescribing psychiatrists. And she explained to my daughter how to pursue puberty blockers at just barely 12 years old without telling her parents. So they are fast tracking our kids. I truly believe it's a conveyor belt that this club started the confusion that leads to the to the pronoun conversation, and then it's puberty blockers, and then it's lifelong medical patient that they have created. So the word affirm 
it comes with a very heavy weight behind it. You know, um, I, it seems to me that it'd make a lot more sense if we start affirming our kids in their God-given identity as valid, beautiful, perfectly made human beings with a destiny and a purpose, rather than affirming them in their brokenness and confusion. Yeah, you're you're perpetuating self-hatred. You know, when a child says, I'm uncomfortable for this reason, and you say, oh, you're uncomfortable, you should go along with that your whole life and just live in that discomfort. It, you know, it's, it's absolutely, it's maddening. <laughs> it's, it's affirming their self-hatred. And so I have learned three things that I tell my kids now. My daughter is the oldest. I now have a nine-year-old and a three-year-old. And we tell them all the time, and this is the advice I give to all parents, that you can talk to kids at any age about this. Number one, you should be affirming them the way God made them, that they are, let them know they're fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God that they were born male or female, that that's beautiful. They cannot change their sex. They may get uncomfortable in it. And parents, we will help them through that, but they cannot change their sex. They are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. Number two, a safe adult should not ask you to keep a secret. And it doesn't matter what that secret is. My three-year-old knows if someone teaches you your ABCs and tells you don't tell mom, you tell mom because a safe adult would not ask you to keep secrets. And then number three, no one should ask you to label yourself in any way. They asked my daughter to slap these labels on and change the trajectory of her life with them. You know, it could be your political belief, your, your faith, your, you know, gender. No one should be asking you as young children to label yourself. You are just you and you are perfect the way you are. No labels necessary. And so we, we tell our kids all of these things early and often now, having learned the hard way that we should have been doing that all along. Uh, if you'll stand by, I think we're working on getting that fixed. If seems things seem a little bit disconnected, I apologize for that. I hope everybody heard Aaron's answer. Um, I want to go to one of our callers now, and Aaron, hopefully you'll be able to hear this caller, even if I cannot, and you can answer her question. Uh, but we've got a caller on the line, and it's Jenny from Virginia. Jenny, thank you so much for calling in today. What, what's your question for Aaron Lee? Hey, Richard. Um, Aaron, thank you so much. Um, my question is, if there are children in public schools and teachers or whoever are telling them not to talk about this, what questions can parents ask their children that might help them to understand, is this happening in my school or not? That's such a hard position to be in because we as parents don't want to have those conversations with our children before they're ready. And so it's hard to know how to question them about what they've learned. You know, I, my number one piece of advice that I give all parents is if you can find an alternative, don't put your kids in government schools. Don't put them in a situation where this kind of thing can happen. You know, we mm -hmm. opted for private Christian and conservative charter schools for our kids, and we sleep easy at night. We know this kind of thing isn't happening. But I also advise have that open communication with the teachers. Know every person who your child is spending time with and send them notice ahead of time that these are the things you will not talk to my child about. You will not have conversation about sexuality, gender identity, you know, using the other bathroom and put them on notice that these are the things you're not going to do with my child um, and check in on that. But I think if you stick to that, tell your kids they shouldn't be asked to keep secrets. They shouldn't be asked to label themselves. And if anything doesn't feel right in your gut, 
If someone says something to you that just feels yucky or just doesn't feel right, come home and tell mom and dad, because your gut is very rarely wrong. And, and we need to teach our kids to follow that intuition that these predators are trying to break down, teach them to be intuitive and to listen to their heart when they feel like something isn't right. Well, you know, uh, parents need to have conversations with their kids about these issues, the old uh, birds and the bees talk uh, is not adequate today, is it, Aaron? I mean, our kids, we need to be proactively preparing them to face these lies in the culture. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, even if you remove them from government schools, it's inevitable, it's everywhere. It's on the Disney Channel, it's on Nickelodeon, it's on commercials. I mean, it's, it's inevitable. We do have to learn to inoculate them early and often. But I think we can be really careful with the language that we use right. with younger kids um, so that Absolutely. we're not introducing them to something too soon. Right. No gender unicorns, I think, uh, when we talk to our kids. But <laughs> OK, well, guys, this is the Truth and Liberty live call in show. And you are watching an interview or a discussion between me and Aaron Lee. Uh, Aaron Lee is in the midst of fighting uh, against this aggressive LGBT indoctrination agenda in our public schools, and she has lived the nightmare. And uh, this is not just in Fort Collins, Colorado, as I said, it's all over America. But uh, before we go any further, uh, Aaron, I'd like to just ask you, how is your daughter, how did how did she fare? What what happened to her um, after this experience and, and how is she doing today? I just want to give you a chance to kind of tell your story there a little bit further. Um, can you share that with us? Yeah, well, as if my story wasn't dark enough, it, it gets darker for our family. So she fell into that transgender confusion. She, of course, she was uncomfortable in her body and someone told her that she didn't have to go through puberty. She could just wear this label and all of her problems would go away. And of course she wanted that. She wanted her discomfort to go away. And so she tried it for a little while. And, and we were so confused at how to handle it that we kind of ignored the issue. Um, we let her just go along with it and hoped that it, she would grow out of it. Um, and then we took her to a therapist. And we learned the hard way in the state of Colorado that in 2019, we passed an anti-conversion therapy bill with gender confusion specific language. And therapists are obligated to either instantly affirm, like we talked about, the confusion, not question it, or they have to avoid the topic altogether. And so when we did what any logical parent would do, we took her to therapy because we didn't know how to handle this. It made her worse. And so her confusion spiraled into a depression that spiraled into suicidality. And we, um, December, about six months after the incident, we received a suicide note from our daughter. And we took her to her pediatrician because we didn't trust the therapist anymore. We now know that's not an option. And the doctor had us leave the room because also in the state of Colorado, 12-year-olds are the steward of their own mental health care without parent knowledge or consent. And when we came back in the room, she had been prescribed Zoloft, um, a psychotropic drug. So we went through that for a few months and then we honestly addressed it head on. We got to the point where we found some messages between her and, and someone at school through the, the school chat feature, and we addressed it head on, and that was a turning point for her. We said, is this really how you feel? Do you really think we don't support you? Do you really think you're a boy? And she said, I'm not, and I don't want to do this anymore. It's not for me. She lost Diesel. it. We lost it. It was, it was the moment where we finally did the right thing and addressed it head on. And so that's my my big advice to other parents now, but we actually let her watch the What is a Woman documentary 
by Matt Walsh mm. from the Daily Wire. And she, minus the Kinsey and money part, because that's just too graphic for a 13-year-old. But she, she said, Mom, why didn't I understand this was happening to me while it was happening? Why didn't I understand that they targeted me and they took advantage of me and this was not my own idea? And I said, that was all by design, sweetheart. They, you were vulnerable and they took advantage of you in that moment. And they didn't want you to understand what was happening to you. And she said, mom, how do I make sure this doesn't happen to other little girls? I don't want anyone to ever go through what I did. And I said, you're doing it right now. You, you let us tell your story out loud and your story is saving lives and it's protecting other kids from going through this. And so she's now in a very good place. We are two and a half years out from the incident. She's thriving in a little private Christian school. She's got a great group of friends. She's active in our youth group. She's you know, just doing a million times better. And she's keenly aware of what's going on in our culture now. So for our younger boys, if they're watching a cartoon and something seems inappropriate, she'll come tell us. <laughs> she'll say, mom, dad, they can't watch that TV show. That's got, that's got bad stuff in it. They shouldn't be watching that. And so she's she's just keenly aware and looking out for, for the protection of her little brothers now. And it is such a testament to how far she's come. Well, Aaron, I just want to, uh, I got to get on my soapbox for just a second here. Guys, you heard Aaron mention two laws uh, in Colorado, and there are many, but two of them that have been passed in the last few years. Actually, you go all the way back, there's about five laws she's mentioned in today's show. All of them uh, have been passed by the Democrat controlled legislature in Denver and the homosexual Democrat governor of Colorado, Jared Polis. Folks, there is a wicked and destructive agenda that has taken over the Democratic Party. And if you don't think elections matter, and if you don't think that we as Christians have a role to play in electing our public officials, that you want to stay out of politics, well, then there is blood on your hands. Children and people, real live human beings are being destroyed because of satanic philosophies and agendas that are at work in our government. And you cannot get a better example than the state of Colorado. Colorado has banned counselors and therapists from helping children escape same-sex attraction and gender confusion right? It's against the law for them to do their duty to these children. Colorado says that a child, a 12-year-old child can get medical treatment and psychiatric treatment without parental consent to when it comes to transgender and same-sex attraction and homosexuality and abortion and all these other wicked things. They're taking the parents out of the picture and putting the devil as the parent of these kids. And you as Christians are the only ones who can stop this by going to the polls and voting, by getting involved in supporting godly candidates, by going to the legislature and lobbying, by standing up and expressing the truth online and in every opportunity that you have. And so I cannot think of a, a, a more clear example than what we have right now on the Truth and Liberty livecast with Aaron Lee. This is an unbelievable story, but sadly it is believable and it is true and it has happened and it is happening all over America today. So Aaron, I, I want to apologize for taking the soapbox there, but I just felt like I needed to exhort people. This is the real thing. And uh, I am so thankful that your daughter is doing better uh, but I, I just want to ask you, you know, another follow up to that. Um, I understand from just talking to you before we got on the show that this has been a journey for you as a family, obviously. And I'd like to know kind of like um, 
How has this experience affected your beliefs in God and your relationship with God? Has it gotten stronger, weaker? What do you think uh, about that? Well, I'll just real quickly add to your soapbox. Yes, everything Richard said, but pay attention to local elections too. I did not understand the power of the local school board, especially here in Colorado. They have all the power. That's that's the way our, our state constitution is written. And so parents don't pay attention. And we do elections in the off years, so they're not on the ballot that you're paying attention to. And so we have got to get out and get engaged in local school board elections because they are making these decisions for our children every day. Um, but our faith journey, we, you know, I call myself a lazy Methodist prior to this happening. We, you know, we, we went to church a couple times a year. We were not reading our Bible. We were not praying before anything before bed, before dinner, we had not built that foundation of faith for our children. And this, you know, if there's any silver lining from what happened to us, it's that we have grown stronger in our faith as a family. We have found a wonderful church home where we are active. Our pastor is actively engaged in talking about this topic and supporting me in my fight however he can. Um, Our children are involved in the church. We, We actually are making a documentary film and when my husband was asked this very question, he is I'm not a man who cries often. And he was brought to tears talking about his shortcomings as a father, how he had not built this foundation for his kids. And if he had, perhaps our daughter could have been inoculated from this happening to her. Um, and so now our, our younger kids benefit from having that foundation, having that relationship with God, having that knowledge that there could never be anything wrong with how he made them. Um, so we've we've come a long way and we have a long way to go, but that is definitely the silver lining of this incident. Yeah, that's awesome. I rejoice with you and with your husband and all your family. That is amazing. Well, Aaron, I, I know that, um, for, first off, folks, this is a live calling show. As you know, the Truth and Liberty live calling show. If you've got questions or comments about what we're talking about today or about any Bible subject, please feel free to call in at uh, 719-619-2341. Um, you know, uh, Aaron, one of the, uh, we had a caller earlier who was asking, how, what questions do you ask your kids? I'm wondering, um, how do you find out from uh, the school, or are there any warning signs or anything like that that might uh, that ought to be causes for concern or alarm for parents that are um, concerned about this issue? Well, I maintain that the only surefire way to protect your kids from this kind of indoctrination at school is to remove them from dangerous government schools. There, there is no yep. district in the entire country where children are going to be safe from this kind of indoctrination. But there's some really obvious ones. There's social emotional learning or the Kaysel model, which actually was founded in Satanism. Its its founder was a devout Satanist who believed she was a demon. Um, So the social, social emotional learning platform in my son's school, they called it the peace circle. So when he was seven, they were meeting in the peace circle and they were told what happens in the circle stays in the circle. So they're already building this foundation of, you know, mistrust with parents and keeping secrets, but comprehensive sex education. I mean, I found that gender unicorn in our fifth grade curriculum, which was explicitly asking, you know, eight-year-olds who they're attracted to. But then it's really slipped into a lot of things that, you know, sound good on the outside. So anti-bullying, suicide prevention, 
um, mental health counseling, all of these things in the school sounds like things we want for our kids. Like, yeah, we don't want them to be a bully and we want them to have good mental health and not be suicidal, but they've inserted this LGBTQ agenda into all of those areas and really all areas of the curriculum. I actually found out my daughter at the beginning of that sixth grade year when she was 11 was assigned a book called George in her sixth grade English class. And I didn't think anything of it because the book was called George. But as it turned out, it was entirely about transgenderism. It was about a little boy who wanted to become a girl. It talked about kissing other boys, wearing girls' underwear, playing with his parts in the bathtub, cutting off his parts with scissors, Um, you know, just masturbation. It, It was abhorrent. And I had no idea because it was such an innocently named book. So now I understand that this has been inserted into all facets of the curriculum, reading, writing, history, PE, And really the only way to detect it is to request that curriculum ahead of time and dig through it. If you're going to leave your kids in public schools, you've got to proactively be reviewing curriculum. Um, Do those public record requests, show up at the school, read every book that comes home before your child reads it, because a lot of this stuff is just undetectable. Wow, that is incredible. Um, guys, so I, you know, we're we're here in a little town called Woodland Park, Colorado. And uh, last, uh, two years ago, a, a conservative majority was elected to the school board here. And they have started making some changes. And we've only got 8,000 people in this little town. But you, you know, this, this whole subject is so, this woke ideology and indoctrination is so important that the unions, the teachers unions uh, got NBC News to come here to little old Woodland Park and do a, an article that I think it, it blew up in their face because we knew they were coming. But I'm telling you guys, this is a coordinated attack on everything wholesome and right about our families and about our country, and we can't just stand back and let this happen. Um, Aaron, you were telling me before the show about how much the unions, I think you were telling me that it's not just the teachers' unions, but it's very high up in the left-wing politics of this nation that this stuff is coming from. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, well, and I'll add to that. I don't think we talked about this, but the local level union here in the Fort Collins, Colorado area actually put out flyers during the last school board race with pictures of parents at school board meetings labeling us as extremists and terrorists that need to be investigated by the DOJ. So the union is putting out this propaganda, vilifying parents in an effort to get their candidates reelected. And it worked. All four candidates were elected, but they had money pouring in from the NEA. The AFT, we actually had Becky Pringle here in Fort Collins rallying for these little school board candidates. The Polis family, that's our governor, the Stryker family, the billionaires who are pushing transgenderism, the Obama Foundation, the Gates Foundation, the Rockefellers. So there are these major organizations funneling hundreds of thousands of dollars into local school board races to ensure that their candidates keep those seats or take those seats to push this kind of indoctrination on our kids. That's why I say the local school board is so incredibly important. Most of the candidates are backed by union. So we have got to back our local grassroots parent and grandparent candidates who are going to be our voice because these union candidates, they don't care about parents. I'm not even convinced they care about our children. They care about these agendas and they're doing a great job at pushing them. Wow, incredible. Well, So we've got another caller on the line. I want to go ahead and go to her. um, And uh, after, and then we've got a break coming up here in about two minutes and 45 seconds. But let's go to Ann, who's holding on the line. Ann from Texas. Thanks for calling in. Ann, what's your question for Aaron today? 
thank you so much for taking my call. And Erin, um, I just want to thank you for your bravery and your boldness to stand up for what you are and informing the rest of us. It's so vital. It's so important. You're saving lives. And my question is, if you have a child who is one of those compliant, quiet, rule-keeping, wonderful children, is there any signs that we need to be looking for that they might be caught up in all of this? You know, I, I go to that a lot. That Our daughter was a rule follower because we taught her to be respectful of adult's authority, and she was doing just that. And these people who she trusted, but there are some some real indicators of people who are vulnerable for this kind of gender confusion. Kids who are depressed and anxious already, autism, about 50% of the kids who fall into it are somewhere on the autism spectrum. Um, but more importantly, we've got to be monitoring their online activity. So if they're playing, you know, video games, anime, anthropomorphic art. This was one that really sticks out to me. My daughter was into, you know, fantasy stories of animals with human-like qualities, kind of like Joe the Camel did with cigarettes. That's how they were getting to kids through this likable character. They're doing the same for kids who like, you know, anime or alternative art or anthropomorphic art. If they're in any kind of online community, they're being surely being taken advantage of by this agenda. Um, so those are some real indicators of the kind of person that they seek out with this ideology. Um, but again, I just, I hearken back to keep those lines of communication open with your child, ask pointed questions, um, make sure that you teach them if they feel like something is wrong, that they bring it to you immediately. Because it, I feel like it can happen to anyone anywhere. And it really is it, the kids that we don't even suspect it's happening to. Thank you, Anne, for your question. Thank you, Aaron, uh, for that amazing answer. All right, guys, so uh, we've got a break coming up here on the Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. And I wanted to mention to everybody that we do have resources available on our website about um, what parents can do uh, in, in public schools. We've got resources about homeschooling. Uh, we've got all kinds of resources about the LGBT ideology and other things. And I really encourage you to check that out. Um, and uh, so I think it will be helpful Helpful to you, and we're going to talk about Aaron's recommendations for help uh, when we come back after this break, right here, about 90 seconds. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. This is a godly nation. It was founded upon godly principles and the body of Christ needs to stand up against the rewriting of history. And in order for us to do that, we're gonna have to learn true history. God is calling us to rebuild his house so that he can manifest his glory in the midst of a corrupt and pagan world. I would argue that America has been more prosperous, more successful than any other nation because we've done more in reading and applying the Bible. We chose God and we chose to live by the Bible and we've done things no other nation's ever done. When the God of the impossible lives in us, the entire political reality can shift where we walk. 
We're the ones that have the truth. We're the ones that stand up. It is the history for Christians to speak out and to make a difference in this nation. Okay, everybody, we're back here on Truth and Liberty live call-in show, and I'm Richard Harris, and uh, I'm really just uh, amazed at what I've heard today from our special guest, Aaron Lee. Uh, you know, Aaron, I had heard about your story um, and knew some about it, but I have to say it's even more incredible uh, and shocking than I even had heard. And uh, so I, I just want you to know we're going to we're going to do what we can to get this story out. Um, and I, I want to ask you um what what are you doing now? I know you're continuing to fight, but can you elaborate on that? I know you mentioned a documentary. You've got a website. Tell us what you're doing now to fight for our kids. Yeah, and I can't emphasize enough that I was just a mom, just living my life prior to May of 2021 until we were thrust into this situation. And we did remove our children from the dangerous public school, but we keep speaking up, my husband and, and my daughter and I, because we want to protect other kids. And we have three to five families a week with a similar story all over the country reaching out to us for help. And so that's what keeps us going. We, we just want to, if we can save one child from going through what our daughter did, then I will do an interview every day for the rest of my life. Um, but I did start the website, Stop Gender Ideology. That's a great place to go where there's different variations of our story that can be shared. And I ask that everyone, you know, if you feel compelled to be involved in this issue, just share our story. The most impactful thing any of us can do is talk about this in our direct sphere of influence. Um, we all have a part to play in normalizing the conversation around this subject. I've been told I'm controversial, and this is not a subject that I chose to pursue or talk about publicly. You know, we were put in this position, but we've got to normalize conversation about it because it is affecting all of us. If you don't have a child going through this, I guarantee you know someone who does or you will. So I would love for people to share our story from StopGenderIdeology.com. Um, I also just contributed to Miriam Grossman's new book. She's the uh, the psychiatrist that was in the What is a Woman documentary called Lost in Transnation, which is a great resource, not just for people going through this, but for parents who want to inoculate their children from this kind of thing happening. Um, I also just finished up a, a documentary called Dysphoria with feature, Fearless Features, which will hopefully be released in theaters this fall. Um, and I'm working on a documentary film with former Colorado Senator Kevin Lundberg called Art Club that is specifically about our story uh, that ties in expert advice and um, comment and really just paints the picture for other families in a way that they can share the story with anyone. Um, so we are fundraising for that effort. We have a Give, Send, Go. It's just Give, Send, Go backslash Stop Gender Ideology. And there's a link to the fundraiser on my website as well. And the reason for this is we want this to be a free film. We want it to be able to be widely shared with anyone, anywhere, at no cost. And no one should have to pay to hear our story and know what's really happening in schools. So, and and prayers. My goodness, I will take all the prayers for this you know, documentary effort and for our lawsuit. We have filed a federal lawsuit in the state of Colorado with America First Policy Institute as our co-counsel. Um, so we are fighting back for this violation that happened to our, our you know, 
fundamental constitutional parental rights under the 14th Amendment Due Process Clause to direct the education and upbringing of our own children. So we are also fighting back with lawfare. And that family that I referenced, the little girl who drank bleach, she is doing much better now. She's also out of that school and they are co-plaintiffs on our lawsuit. So we are continuing to fight back every way we can in media, with lawfare, and by telling other parents the best thing to do is to get their kids out of the schools. Yeah, wow, that's that's amazing. So one more time, I want people to hear how they can support your work uh, with all of this going on, a lawsuit in federal court and uh, uh, documentaries. I'm sure that you could probably, I mean, uh, I'm assuming you could use some help uh, with the expenses for those things. So um, what's the account again? Give, send, go, right? Yep. And it's Stop Gender Ideology. Okay, so um, all right, and tell me about this lawsuit. Now it's filed in 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 federal court here in the state of Colorado by the America First Policy Institute on your behalf, right? Right. So Pam Bondi, the former Attorney General of Florida, is one of our uh, lawyers on the case, and we also have local counsel here, Illumin Legal, out of Denver. So we did. We filed that lawsuit back in May. Um, it's already progressing forward where the district has filed a motion to dismiss. And, you know, we hope to rebut that and move forward with the discovery phase um, and keep the lawsuit progressing because it truly we were filing for injunctive relief as well because we want to set a precedent with this. Yeah. You know, parents are afraid to fight back. They're afraid to talk about it, but they're definitely afraid to go through the the steps of lawfare. It's it's costly. It's time consuming. It's scary. And I'm willing to do it for all of us parents here in Colorado. And my hope is that we will set a national precedent for parental rights with this lawsuit. Well, I hope you do too. And thank you for your courage and tenacity and willingness to enter into the fight. Well, Aaron, we've got a caller on the line that I'd like to go to now. Something tells me that you might know this caller. Uh, it's his, it's Kevin from Fort Collins in Colorado. Kevin, you are on the line. What's your question or comment for Aaron today? <laughs> well, Richard, uh, thank you. I just wanted to spend a moment to a bit of a comment and a question. One is, uh, yes, I've uh, been working with Aaron for the last uh, uh, year or so on that documentary she mentioned. And, and I want to assure you and all your viewers that she and her husband, John, are the real deal. God is really using them to spread the word on what's happening. And my question is this, uh, Aaron, how pervasive is this across this country? Because some people may think, you know, I'm in a little remote uh, community and we're very conservative and uh, it surely isn't coming our way. Uh, what have you found as you've, uh, you know, uh, interfaced with uh, people across the country? I wish that were true. I wish it was just happening in California and Colorado and, and Oregon. But unfortunately, I can say unequivocally, this is happening everywhere in the country. Again, we have multiple parents a week reach out to us in a similar situation. You know, the school hid something from us or my child has been caught up in this confusion and the school lied about it. So it's absolutely happening in every corner of the country. I've talked to parents in Texas, in Ohio, in Wisconsin, in Florida. Actually, Kevin and I connected with a, a mother in Tallahassee, Florida, who had her 13-year-old secretly transitioned behind her back. And she's a licensed mental health counselor and a volunteer of the year for that school. And this happened to her behind her back. So, you know, we know for a fact this is happening everywhere. And again, I don't think there's any other way to protect your kids than to not put them in a government school where this kind of thing is possible. 
Well, uh, Kevin, thanks for calling in. I, I, if you want to stay on the line, that would be great. Guys, this is uh, Kevin Lundberg on the phone, who is um, a former uh, state representative and state senator uh, from the state of Colorado. I think you served, what, uh, Kevin, 16 years in the state legislature, and he's a real leader um, here still in the state of Colorado up in that Fort Collins, Larimer County area. So, Kevin, what's going on on the ground there uh, to fight against this in those school districts in northern Colorado? Well, Aaron has really been leading the charge, but there are uh, people being aware of this everywhere. And we're getting fired up on the school board elections that are coming up this fall. Uh, I'm, uh, as I said earlier, God is really using their experience and their reaction to the experience to uh, motivate people to get engaged and get involved. Uh, you know, amen to your preaching a little bit earlier in the program about how people can't sit back and think that somebody else is going to take care of this. No, this is a pervasive problem that has really reared its ugly head and pops up just about everywhere. But here in Northern Colorado, I'm, I'm seeing a real pushback, which I think is uh, a bit of a tidal wave that it's uh, about to hit our elections. Oh, well, I, I certainly hope so. Uh, so here in Colorado, we have uh, uh, school board elections this November. And uh, so candidates are beginning their races now. And folks, whether it's Colorado or anywhere else that you live, please pay attention to school boards. This is the, the most, I think it's the most important race. I think it, school boards are more important than president of the United States. I really do, uh, because the, the uh, the devil is going for our kids, and if he can capture them in this stuff, then I don't know what we're going to do as a country. Uh, this is so incredibly damaging. Um, you know, uh, Aaron, you mentioned before we got on the show that this lady Chambers, who was the woman who indoctrinated your daughter along with the uh, the so-called art teacher, um, that um, she's now been replaced, but there's someone um, and, and they claim that the school claims they're not working with the Skittles organization anymore, but there's now someone else who's taken her place. And this person is possibly even worse and more um, dangerous. What do you know about that? Yeah, well, I want to real quick jump back to Kevin's point, because Kevin and I met at a pastor meeting here in Fort Collins. And it was so incredibly hopeful. I mean, it just it was one of the most inspiring speeches that I've given as I meet with local pastors. They're waking up. The faith community is waking up to what's happening in this community, and they're getting involved. And I don't think anything is going to change for the better unless our churches start stepping up, unless our pastors right. start preaching about it from the pulpit, and they start activating their congregation to form committees and, you know, get behind school board candidates where our faith community is imperative in this fight. And I have so much hope to see how that's happened here in Northern Colorado. Um, so uh, back to Splash, they were not removed from the public school district. The district has claimed that they've removed Splash, but I found ev ample evidence that they're still very much involved in the district, but they've brought in a number two from Splash. So on Art Club Day back in 2021, um, on those emails that I found, there was an additional person invited into the classroom who, thank God, did not show 
in that classroom. But this person is a self-proclaimed polyamorous, transgender, non-binary, pre-sex of the reclaiming tradition, blood witch, who does rituals publicly on their social media in their own blood. This person was invited into my daughter's classroom, and they have since been invited into all 13 GSAs in the district. They've been brought in to do staff training. They have courses called the ABCs of LGBTQ and how to be a trusted adult to LGBTQ students, which entirely vilifies parents and promotes medicalization as the only recourse for gender confusion. And so it's like the school district has just doubled down. They didn't fix the issue. They amplified it. They brought in even more concerning parties. I didn't even think that was possible, but they have. They just have doubled down on this effort. And there's a, a really evil agenda at play here. There is serious occult behavior happening in our school district. I didn't want to believe it at first, but this is truly a battle of good versus evil. And there are very evil players who have access to our children and our school staff and are training them on how to be safe adults. So it's, it's scary. It's not getting better. It's getting worse in our district. Uh, Kevin, Aaron, I, I'm curious, people that are watching today, no matter where they live, whether it's Florida or Maine or Oregon, wherever, how can people get involved in school board uh, races or not just in the races, but in school boards themselves, like going to meetings and that kind of thing. Does it make a difference? How important is it for people to actually engage in uh, uh, their local school board? I can speak to uh, showing yeah. up and then I'll let Kevin speak to election. So sh show up. Will your voice be heard? Maybe not. But will it be on public record? Will the other people in your community be listening to what you have to say to your school board? Yes. We have parents who consistently show up and challenge them, and it is waking other parents up, even if it's not changing the behavior of the school board. So I think one of the most powerful things you can do is, A, pay attention to what your school board is doing, but show up at that public comment. Let them know that you condemn the things that they're doing with children. You know, talk about those secrecy policies. Talk about pronoun conversation, boys using the girls' bathrooms. These things are happening in every single school district in America. And these yeah. does, doesn't matter if you have kids or not. It's your obligation as a taxpayer to show up and let them know you're not okay with how your tax dollars are being used. You know, what Aaron says is absolutely correct, but I'm reminded of, I, I, I talked to a, a lady who served in the Colorado House, the Colorado Senate, the U.S. Congress, but she started as a school board member, and she said that was the toughest job she had as an elected official. Uh, that's because, yeah, the rubber meets the road right there. So don't expect it's going to be an easy uh, a task, but it's an essential component because schools are such such a central part to all of our communities. Um, and the other element is, uh, you mentioned my long tenure there in the Colorado legislature. I served on the Health and Human Services Committee in both the House and the Senate for 14 years. And I can tell you that these issues didn't just crop up yesterday. They've been lurking in the background in not quite as far along the road as we're seeing and hearing about now. And Aaron's story is is just so pivotal to that. But be aware that uh, that that there are a lot of people for a lot of different reasons that have an agenda that's just totally different than a biblical perspective on parental authority and the role of government and the training of children. Um, 
and it's it's at the heart of what happens at schools. So, you know, this is a tough job, but we need to take it on and 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 run with it uh, hard. Well, Aaron, uh, you said something. Thanks, Kevin. You said something that I think is really important. You said whether you've got kids in the school or not. Um, a lot of people think, well, my kids, uh, you know, we talk all the time here on Truth and Liberty, just like you are. You got to get your kids out of the school, public schools, because we've got to protect them until we can get this ship turned around. You can't leave your kids there in that environment, no matter how good you think those schools are. Um, and uh, and I think a lot of people think, well, my kids are homeschooled, my kids are in private school, or my kids are grown, or I don't have kids, or whatever. But this really isn't a, uh, just about our own kids, is it? It's about our entire nation and about the youth of this nation and the next two, three, four, maybe five generations. Um, so it's a civic duty to get involved. Am I on the right track? Absolutely. Absolutely. They're breaking down the fundamental identity of our kids. We're, we're raising this generation of kids to think there are no genders. Everything is fluid. Sexuality is fluid. Gender is fluid. And even if you think it doesn't affect you, even if you don't have children at all, it affects all of us. If we don't stop this from happening to kids across the nation, it affects all of us. So the willful ignorance will no longer pass. That's what I like to refer to it as. Most people just want to plug their ears and not hear that it's happening because they don't think it affects them, but it affects all of us and willful ignorance will not pass any longer. Mm. Well, and so, uh, Kevin, I, I want to go back to something also that was mentioned earlier in the show that most people probably uh, have become sort of desensitized to this phrase but it's a it's a program and it's called comprehensive sex ed and you remember when we were fighting against that back in 2018 here in Colorado uh, where it's we got we got hundreds of people to the capitol in Denver to oppose it and it and hours and hours of testimony against it all through the night and it made not one single difference because the entire all of the Democrats and, and enough Republican rhinos uh, went right along with it and drank the Kool-Aid. What is comprehensive sex ed? It's now spread all over the country. Most school districts have it. Most states have it. And it sounds so benign. But what really is comprehensive sex ed? Well, believe it or not, uh, what we're talking about right here and now is is a key component to that. And, you know, the number one curriculum provider for sex education in this country is Planned Parenthood. Now, I hope that explains a little bit of it as well, because they've kind of shifted gears from just being in the, the abortion industry. Uh, so they've gone over this direction to push their agenda, which, as I said earlier, is is anything but a biblical worldview. It 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 really pushes the parents aside and puts, you know, puts these professionals in place that have have a very different idea on how kids should be raised. So comprehensive sex education means comprehensive. It means they really do want to change the basic values and therefore structure of our culture through these uh, issues. And, you know, go back and remember what uh, Aaron's been talking about. This is everywhere because there's a very clear agenda that they're pushing very effectively across this country. Aaron, do you what do you know about comprehensive sex ed? 
I know I opted my children out of it. Um, and that, that is a right here in the state of Colorado. There is an opt-out clause that they are legally obligated to tell you that it's happening two weeks before it happens and to give you the opportunity to opt out. But it, it absolutely is a means to push this kind of ideology. As I read through our fifth grade sex ed curriculum, there was a whole portion on gender ideology. There was a whole portion on sexuality. It had the gender unicorn, which is, you know, a cutesy little activity geared towards kids to talk about who they're sexually attracted to. And I actually, in my FOIA request, ran across a fifth grade teacher here in the Poudre School District. She was new. She was untenured because she was fresh out of college. And she refused to teach that portion of the schooling. And so they said, you can either teach it or leave because you're untenured. She said, I can't teach it. And they said, then re-educate yourself. And who did they bring in to re-educate her? Silent Wellington, the blood witch, who re-educates all of our staff on gender ideology. So when she said, I can't, my faith, I just taught these kids proper pronoun usage in first period, and you want me to turn around in second period and contradict everything that I just taught them. You know, my kids can't even, they wear flip-flops in the snowstorm. They can't even pick their footwear, and you want me to tell them they can be any gender? And so she ultimately left the district because they forced her out for being unwilling to teach it. So there, that to say, there are lots of people in the system. I don't ever want my message to get lost in translation. I think a lot of teachers, most teachers are, are good people. A lot of them are misguided, but a lot of them are good people stuck in a bad system. This is their livelihood. This is what their administration is telling them to do. And they're stuck. And so we, mm -hmm. again, have to, as citizens, be their voice. Speak up at those school board meetings. Don't let your kids attend those classes. Help these teachers out that are in this difficult situation. Well, guys, we're uh, we're here with Aaron Lee, and I've got uh, former state senator Kevin Lundberg on the line, who's a good friend and a fellow uh, kind of warrior in the trenches here. And uh, we are talking about just the horror of uh, gender ideology and uh, the LGBTQ plus 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 ideology at work in our schools, and uh, it's been an incredible program. And uh, but we still have some time left for questions or comments. If you uh, have a question about this area or any other subject, please feel free to call into our line seven one nine six one nine two three four one. All right, Aaron. So uh, we've talked about. Um, the problem. We've talked about what you're doing, and we've talked about the need to get involved. Um, are there any positive signs that you're seeing out there? Are we making progress? Kevin, you alluded to an uprising of parents, possibly in northern Colorado. What are we seeing out there, uh, both from local perspective and maybe nationwide, Aaron, as you're going around the country speaking about this issue? I mean, I think we see it on a national level. We see it in the national news outlets. This is a hot topic. This is something people are starting to talk about. And that's because, again, it has affected so many people. There are so many families like mine. There are so many young detransitioners who actually went through this medical process and did irreversible damage to their bodies, and they can't take that back. And they're, they're filing lawsuits. They're testifying in Congress. I mean, it, we're seeing this uprising of people who have been affected by it. And unfortunately, that's the case with a lot of issues. Until you're personally affected, you're not motivated to act on it. But I think we're seeing that so many people have been affected now. that, And so many people are just strongly opposed to this idea that boys can be girls and they can use female spaces and participate in female sports, that on a national level, 
we are starting to talk about it and we're starting to fight back and, and put it put in place policies that protect kids. There are now, I think, 18 states who have passed bills protecting kids from gender mutilation under 18. So I see it on a national level. I don't see it a lot here from parents in my local community. And I hope that's not a testament to what's happening around the country. But like I said, the faith community is waking up. And I think as they start to, you know, inform their congregation of what's really happening, more and more believers are going to wake up and God is going to call on them to act just like he did with me. I pray on it all the time. Can I be done now? I'm tired. I'm getting death threats. Can I be done? And I can't because, you know, God called on me to be in this space and to talk about it. But I, I think we're starting to see on a national basis, parents rising up. And I'll let Kevin elaborate on that. Well, Richard, if I could just add one little footnote, uh, and and that is that uh, this is um, if if you use, uh, I just want to talk about the pronoun issue for a second, because I believe this underscores how broadly this this agenda is being pushed forward. Because if if you take a preschool child and you start teaching them, well, maybe you can be a him, maybe you can be a her, you've now planted that seed in their mind. And I believe that that's that's where people are are uh, being confronted with this first. And my advice to anybody, be a teacher or a parent or just a citizen, is when you hear people, you know, trying to confuse the issue on pronouns, they've already taken the poison. So, uh, you know, it's it's going to grow because it's so, so pervasive. Well, um, all right. Thank you, Kevin, for that. And and get, we've got about five minutes left in our show. We've got a caller on the line I'd like to go to. This is Lee from California. Lee, uh, what's your question for Aaron and Senator Lundberg today? Uh, I would like to know if the uh, gender ideology is being promoted in Catholic schools also. Okay, so you yes. want to know about Catholic schools. Yes. <laughs> right. All right. Long Aaron, and short answer you... for that is yes, I have heard from parents of children in Catholic schools and private schools and conservative charter schools. It is. It's happening everywhere. And we've got some some churches here in our own community who are really pushing gender ideology, the Methodist Church, the Unitarian Church. So um, the Catholic Church is not is not excluded from that, um, you know, pushing of this ideology. So yes, I can't speak for all of them, but I have spoken to parents of children in Catholic school who have fallen victim to this. Well, and, and, and part of the problem is, and this goes back to my, you know, bringing up the pronoun issue is, is often people get sucked into this ideology uh, in, in ways that they don't realize uh, are, are, you know, it's kind of a very seductive path. So a school may find themselves promoting this uh, and not really realizing how uh, they're affecting the students and the, and the families. So, you know, I'm, I'm not wanting to uh, lay blame on any particular uh, group except to say that, that it's, it's everywhere and we've got to recognize it for what it is. And we've yeah, got a whole generation of teachers who, of my generation, who were indoctrinated ourselves. I was indoctrinated in college. I was taught that I'm an, I'm an oppressor and I should virtue signal to repent for my whiteness and my heterosexuality. And so we've got a whole generation of teachers that even if the school isn't going that direction, there may be activist teachers within it that are. You know, um, the, the, uh, 
on this whole subject of gender, the Bible is really clear, isn't it? It says that God made man in his own image and in his own likeness, male and female created he them and God blessed them. And he commanded them that they should be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And the, the family unit is God's design. Uh, the male husband and wife with children, it's the basis of every stable and productive society in the history of the world, including the United States of America. And this entire thing is an attack. It's not just an attack on, on our kids. It's an attack on God, and it's an attack on reality. It's attack on the created order, and it's satanic through and through. And we, I think, uh, tell me if you agree with this, guys, but I think we have to be bold and we have to be strong to stand up and declare not just truth that we see in the natural realm, like this person has these parts and this person has these parts, so they're male and female, but God's word and what the Bible has to say about this subject, because there is no higher authority than the word of God. And we've got two minutes left. And I just want to give each of you about 45 seconds to respond to that, if you would. Yeah, well, I actually read through Second John this morning and was reminded that we as women need to stand up and minister the truth, God's truth, that we are XX or XY. There is no in-between. There is no other. You were perfectly and wonderfully made. And we have to preach that to our homes, to our community. And as wide as as wide as my platform will allow me to, I absolutely am, am speaking God's word. Um, and, and there's so much power in truth. You can't change the truth. And the truth is that there are males and females. And that's it. You're XX or XY. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and I, I simply say amen to, to uh, Aaron's thoughts on that. You know, we mentioned that we're working on a documentary, and we've interviewed a lot of experts in in the subject, and and several times they've come back with the with the statement, "Well, it depends on what truth is, and if truth is based on God's word, then this is not this ideology, this gender ideology that's being promoted, is anything but truth. It's 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 a lie that will lead us the wrong direction, and we need to get back to God's truth." Yeah, that's right. Well, thank you so much, uh, Kevin, for staying on the line. You've been a great addition to the conversation. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on today and spending your really valuable time with us. And I want to encourage people to check out her website again, which is StopGenderIdeology.com. I think, did I get that right? And also, yeah. please prayerfully consider supporting her in all of these important fights that she has going on. And uh, thank you to all of you for watching today and for calling in with your questions. We're going to be back tomorrow at 3.30 Mountain Time on the Truth and Liberty live call-in show. It'll be my honor to host, and I hope to see you then. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.